This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, the first official interview episode of 2021 Thank you so much for joining us. You know me, I'm Trevor Williams, your host, and this is the podcast for anybody curious to learn about where their food comes from. I'm going to try to say that um, tagline a little bit more this year. You know, it's 2021, people are, well, it's the beginning of the new year, Um, people are starting to pick up their New Year's resolutions, you know, change some habits, some healthy habits, get better at finances and stuff like that, and so I thought the first episode for 2021 might be good to talk about financial planning on a farm. I mean, you don't really understand all the finances, all of the organization that goes into managing a farm, you know, unless you actually do it. And I don't work on a farm. I don't have a farm. And so I thought it'd be great to ask an expert about what all advice they give to um, farmers. And so our guest today is Michelle Patton. She is a business expert and consultant with Patton Consulting. Um, I'm sorry, Patton Bookkeeping and Consulting. And she's going to tell us about her background, what she advises her customers, farm planning, and why some farms fail, how to work with family members, especially when it comes to finances, because that can always get super duper tricky. And I mean, there's a lot of financial things going on at a farm. You've got to pay workers. You've got to pay um, rent on your land if you're renting land. You've got to pay um, companies for seeds or for livestock. You've got to pay extremely expensive equipment like a combine, which I mean up to buy a used combine is like $300,000, which really makes a Lamborghini look like you're buying a used Toyota in terms of price. So yeah, Michelle's gonna talk to us about how farms can be profitable, how farms are still profitable during COVID, and some really good advice on the importance of diversifying your operation without spreading yourself too thin. So Michelle thinks it's a great idea to diversify, not just be a row cropper, have some livestock or something like that, but don't do a little bit of everything just in case because um, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So this is really cool. If you've ever wanted to hear 
about the finances, bookkeeping, and consulting work that goes into financial planning for a farm. Uh, if you are a farmer or a rancher and you want to talk to Michelle about her consultant work, be sure to check out her website. It's Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N, bookkeeping.com. Um, and we'll link all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Really hope you enjoy it. Had a great time talking with Michelle. And be sure to head over to our YouTube channel to see our full interview. It's just youtube.com slash farmtraveler. And yeah, so yeah, enjoy this episode. This is episode 88. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, Michelle Patton, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if I told you, you actually have the pleasure of being the first episode of 2020, which I think is kind of cool because everybody in the new year tries to focus on their finances and stuff. And you seem like you know a whole lot about bookkeeping when it comes to agriculture and farming. So I think this is kind of a cool episode to kick off 2021. Yeah, I totally agree. No, I didn't know that I was going to be the first. So I'm super excited about that. And I think you're right. This is a great time to be thinking about your finances, what happened the previous year, what's going to happen in 2021, what you, you know, what you can do to make changes. So this is a great time to kind of discuss it. Yeah, exactly. So you are, you're an ag business expert, you're a bookkeeping expert, business consultant. Kind of tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got started and where you are now. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually, I call myself a certified ranch kid. I grew up on the farm and the ranch. We had dairy cows when I was much younger, and then we went into beef, my family did. And so um, I've been on the cattle ranch since I was probably seven <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> kind of just lived that life. And um, I actually didn't really have any interest in going back. You know, I mean, every kid, they're like, I'm you know, when I graduated high school, I was just going to leave and never come back. Well, that didn't work out for me. I, I ended up, um, I went to college, graduated with my bachelor's degree in um, business administration with an accounting emphasis. And um, after that, I did some work as a bookkeeper actually at a feed store. So I kind of continued my, um, you know, my career path kind of stayed in agriculture, even though I didn't really think it would. And after that, I actually moved home to the town that I graduated high school with, um, with my husband, and he's from the same town as me. So we both moved back home. So that's kind of fun. And um, I worked for a CPA firm for about a year. And after that is when I started my own business. And it didn't take me long to realize that I really wanted to um, help to serve the people that I love the most. And that is the ag industry. You know, I just really have loved working with um, these farmers and ranchers this whole time. And so my business, I started in 2015. So we've got, we just hit our five-year anniversary last fall. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really great working with these kind of people. That's awesome. So five years, I mean, it seems like a long time, but in the business world, that's not super long. I mean, this podcast has been around for like, I think this is the, the, the I think the third year and we're slowly getting in the hang of things. So what kind of growing pains did you have during those first five years when you were kind of building your your consulting business? I know there are probably a lot. So what were some some like major ones? Yeah, I think I feel like everyone kind of deals with this when you hit that certain level where you have to decide, OK, am I going to just handle all the clients myself, continue to do all the work all by myself or am I going to bring on a team? And so 
I ended up making the transition from a solo practitioner and I took on some team members, some bookkeepers and um, controllers. And, you know, that was difficult. I feel like that was difficult for everyone, myself included. Um, You know, just learning how to lead people. It's not something that came very naturally to me, I would say. So, you know, just figuring out, um, you know, what I can do to make them work to their best ability to make sure that the clients are taken care of um, and, you know, to not really have to like watch over them too much and kind of just give them that independence too, to really do what they have to do to be good at their job. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, there you go. That's awesome. So, all right. When it comes to farm planning, the, the thousand foot view, I've never worked on a farm. I've been to a lot around Florida and the Southeast, but um, I know bookkeeping and planning out the farm financially is really difficult. And so, what all do you kind of advise farmers to do when it comes to planning and making sure that your farm doesn't fail? Because in your email, you were saying that 70% of second generation family farm businesses fail, which is crazy. So what are some of the best practices you advise? Yeah, I think the number one thing that everyone can do, and this is any business, but it especially helps if you have a family business is work on your transparency. So anyone who's involved in the business really needs to know what's happening in the business. Um, you know, if you're treating your child that that's working on the business, if they're just an employee, um, you know, that's great, but you need to be honest about them and let them know that they're not a business partner to you or they're not, you know, they're not being trained to manage the the farm or maybe they are and they don't know. Maybe they just want to be an employee and, and you're treating them almost like you're, you know, managing them that they're one day they're going to own this farm. So I think just so that everyone's on the same page. And you may not all have the same goals and that's fine. But if you're just kind of open and honest about really what you want out of this relationship, out of this family relationship, out of this working relationship, um, everyone's going to be a lot happier in the end. Yeah, that's a good idea. And kind of going off of that, I know most um, obviously family farms are their families, their aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, kids working together. Do you have any advice on how to successfully work with family that way you're not infighting and there's not a because i mean you want your family to succeed but you also want your business to to succeed so there's like a fine line there so do you have any advice you give people on that yeah um i would say you know be a family when you're when you have family time and you know be a you know team members when you're having like business time i think it's really important to separate those no one wants to go to you know christmas dinner and then you're talking about like oh, you know, we've got to rotate these cows out there. We got to make sure that we get this done next week. I mean, I, I I, guess if you're someone who's super passionate about your job, I could see that happening. But also, you know, no one wants to be told by their dad the work that they're going to have to do on Monday and ruin Christmas. So I just think yeah. it's important to kind of set that boundary that, you know, you can have family time. You don't have to talk about the farm. And really, it's probably better if you don't. <laughs> That's pretty true. I like that kind of focusing on different things. And there's a time and a place for being family and a time and a place for working as as a business. So when it comes to finances on a farm, I was flabbergasted when I was finding out how much um, how much equipment costs and stuff like that. So I mean, a combine costs like I don't know, a used one around $300,000. And so what do you advise people on how to juggle those finances and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that, well, it's hard because 
the price of equipment is increasing every year. You know, sometimes the price of fuel is increasing every year. And so you've got these inputs that are continually increasing and the price of your commodities aren't necessarily increasing every year. You know, they're pretty variable as far as what you can expect for income. So I think that it's important to um, make a plan. You know, there's lots of places where you can find, you know, what is my corn going to cost next year if I sell it in November, if I sell it in December, et cetera. And so you can use that information. Um, the USDA is a great resource for that. Or also just in general, you can just look up the markets um, and then take that information and kind of work backwards. So, you know, you're hoping that you're going to get, um, you know, these this number of bushels for this number of acres and, you know, make sure that you're kind of doing your best to be reasonable too. You know, I mean, everyone wants to have that amazing, perfect year, but it's not very likely to happen. So, so be reasonable and, um, and yeah, and just kind of work backwards. So with that kind of income, the first thing I tell people is, what do you want to pay yourself? You know, that should be kind of the first expense you should be concerned about. Not, you know, what brand new tractor you do want to drive off the lot or whatever, because I know that that fresh new paint is so appealing and it's so pretty, but <laughs> I feel like you should probably prioritize paying yourself, making sure that your family bills are paid for. And then after that, determine what what's a priority for the for the other expenses. You know, you're going to have overhead, overhead costs that will be the same every year. So those are the ones you're going to want to plug in first for your expenses. And then you can see what's left after that. Do you have room for a payment on a, on a combine? Do you have room for improvements on, you know, your pastures or, or whatever. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the priority that I like to give people to, to make sure that the most important is being um, factored in first. And then the rest you can kind of figure out if you have room for it. Yeah, I can imagine. So what kind of bookkeeping do you advise? I mean, do you advise them to use QuickBooks or stuff like that? What, what kind of do you recommend there? I actually do recommend QuickBooks. I find that it's the most user-friendly Mm. Um, a lot of people get sucked into these, um, you know, ag specific bookkeeping softwares, but they're very outdated, um, as far as, you know, how they're set up and they're a lot more clunky. They're harder to use. You're, you're sitting there manually entering everything. So as we know, farmers don't have a lot of extra time. That's the one thing that I know for sure. So I just don't think that it's prudent to, um, you know, be using a software that's just not going to be the, you know, use to the best of your ability. So I recommend QuickBooks because you can sync it to your accounts. It's super easy to use. Um, you know, anyone can learn to use it. And, and then you just, you tweak it to make it your own and to make it feel like a farm accounting software. You know, um, I've developed some chart of accounts that work really well for different operations. You know, we've got some for cattle, some for crop farmers, um, hog, you know, so we, we do our best to um, really customize that. And then you can also set up different classes or locations too, if you're wanting to get a little bit more specific information on, you know, what enterprise is making more money, et cetera. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, do you know if there's anything like tailor made specifically for, um, farmers and ranchers, or is it really just you advise QuickBooks or anything like that? There is, yeah. There is. There are a few different options. Um, one that comes to mind that's made in North Dakota is called Easy Farm, and it okay. it is nice. It's got um, 
it's set up very similar to QuickBooks, but like I was saying, that's one that you do have to manually enter every single transaction. So it can be um, a little bit, I don't know, bulky as far as taking up a lot of your time. And, um, but the nice thing about it is that it does have, it has like a crop manager and a cattle manager, and there might even be a few more plugins, but um, just a few different things that work to, um, you know, manage your cattle inventory or uh, manage your fields, your inputs, that kind of thing. So that, that is a benefit, but there are also lots of, you know, web-based programs that you can use to do that type of thing as well. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, I mean, most businesses want to continue for future generations, and you've mentioned that you have three ways to ensure that future generations on a farm are in good shape. So what are those three ways? I mean, I'm imagining it's going to be something about finances, something about management. So what are those three things? Yeah, yep. So the first thing is, like I was saying, is just having that transparency like we talked about before. So everyone being open, open and honest about what your goals are for yourself, for the farm. Um, and, and then the second one is, um, especially important for, for farm families is to, um, set those boundaries as far as, um, you know, when you're working together as a family, you need to, um, ensure that you, um, you're doing business when it's business time and you're doing family time when it's family time. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing I, I a hundred percent, um, believe that every family farm and ranch should do is to, um, just sit down and make a plan together. Um, this helps with the transparency. This helps with, you know, everyone being on the same page. Um, and what I mean as far as making a plan is, um, first thing, financial planning, um, is the business going to continue in the way that it has been, you know, the way that dad and grandpa managed the farm are, is the next generation going to continue that or are there going to be changes made? Um, and then the next thing would be, you know, how is everyone going to be paid? <laughs> you know, can we even financially afford to keep everyone on the farm and ranch? So that's really important. And, and then the next thing I would say is just transition planning. Um, is super important. It's it's always really nice for everyone to know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen when Dad passes. What's going to happen when Grandpa passes. Um, so just kind of getting everyone on the same page as far as that goes. And I recommend that everyone puts together a transition plan. Everyone has a will. Um, you know, even the <laughs> the younger members of the family. And then it's always good too to look into life insurance as a way to sort of. Um, you know, ensure that if the farm does have a lot of debt, um, you know, maybe you would want to get like a key man insurance policy on your dad so that when he were to pass, you could cover the debt and kind of have a, a clean slate. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can go about this transition planning process, but I think it's just mostly important to ensure that everyone's on the same page. Gotcha. I like that. Those are all really good. Yeah. I mean, when you've got family and a bunch of employees and a lot of money changing hands, I mean, I'm sure making sure everybody's on the same page is going to be really important. So all really good advice. Do you have any advice for when a farm wants to diversify? I mean, maybe there's just a crop farmer that maybe wants to have some cattle or sheep or something like that. Do you have any advice when it comes to diversifying your farm? Yeah, I do. Um, I would say the first thing is just kind of see what other people are doing. You know, it it is getting to be very common, like you say, for a crop farmer to 
they're going to go and graze their, um, you know, what's left on the cornfield or something. And so if you have neighbors or, who are doing it, you know, you can kind of ask them what they've been doing, what's working, what's not working. So I kind of like for people to do a bit of research before they just jump into this crazy idea. Um, if they're anything like me, they just want to, they have an idea and then they just want to do it the next day. So it's probably best to just, um, you know, do a little bit of research. And then um, after you've kind of done your like on the ground research to see if it's something that would even be feasible, um, it would be good to put together some financial projections like we were talking about and determine if it would even be, you know, profitable. What is your overhead going to be on these cattle? Maybe you don't even have fences on your land and you need to build a fence. Or, um, you know, maybe you don't have a tractor that has a bale feeder on it. So you'd need to um, get your tractor ready for that. And so I think it's sometimes people forget that there's, um, you know, these little overhead expenses that they hadn't really anticipated um, that they should take into consideration. Gotcha. That's a really good advice. Um, so going off of that, how can farms be profitable? I mean, obviously you want to make a crop or some sort of commodity that you're going to make a really good profit off of. So what advice do you have for people that can make their farms and their ranches as profitable as possible? I think it really comes down to um, just being really aware of the little expenses that, that start to add up. You know, are you spending too much on chemical to get just a slightly better output when, you know, it's actually, you know, I think something that a lot of farmers and ranchers don't do is just determine the return on investment on a lot of mm -hmm. the expenses that they make. So it's always nice to run a quick return on investment and determine, you know, if we buy this much additional fertilizer and we get this much additional output on our, you know, on our fields, what is the return on investment in that? Is it a worthwhile investment. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that I think that people are just like, I know we're going to spend this much in chemical, but you know, they may be able to cut that back a little bit and they are not affecting their, um, yields as much as they think they might be. And they're still, um, coming out ahead. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Just really watch your expenses, make sure that they're good decisions. And then diversification is always going to be, I think a good thing as far as wanting to um, be profitable because, you know, you just have a better chance, I think, of as long as you don't run yourself, make yourself too thin. Spreading yourself too thin is not going to mm -hmm. be the thing to do, but but it does help to, you know, kind of give yourself that additional financial stability by having at least two different enterprises that you can rely on. You know, if you're only raising corn and the corn markets drop, you know, to an unprecedented level or something like that, you know, you're going to wish that you had maybe been raising some different grains or been raising some cattle or something like that. So I think that that is important. That's a good thing. And I didn't think about your point um, about not spreading yourself too thin. I mean, you want to diversify, but you don't want to have like seven different crops and like five different types of livestock or something. I mean, it'd be cool, but I mean, you would definitely be not only the workload, but I mean, the risk there, if all of them don't succeed or something and how expensive they would be, so that's really good advice that I have not thought of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right, COVID is still going on. Um, have you seen that farms are still being profitable during COVID? I know um, there's been a lot of things like um, I was watching the news the other day, a lot of onion farmers out in Nevada and California having to dump them because there's no demand for them. So how can farms still be profitable right now during the whole COVID thing? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's hard because um, the general streams that farmers have used to put their products, you know, in front of consumers has changed quite a bit because of COVID. So people aren't eating it out as much. And I know like, especially, you know, with beef consumption, people aren't buying steaks to eat at home as much as they may have been, you know, eating out instead, you know, something like that. So there's certain cuts of meat that people aren't necessarily buying as much because they aren't thinking to, to make it at home, I suppose. And then the same thing, you know, I know that people have had to dump milk because, um, you know, a lot of the milk was going to the schools and the kids at home aren't drinking milk as much. And, um, you know, so there, there definitely have been, it has affected um, just the general, how food is getting put in front of people. Um, let me see what I was going with that. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, no, you're good. But one thing that we can do to mitigate that is we can do our best to try to continue to get that food put in front of people. And um, it is difficult because, um, you know, you're not a farmer. You don't, you may not have any interest in being a salesperson or doing direct sales to your customers, but there's getting to be a lot of um, interest from from people to know where their food comes from to try and get the freshest produce they can try to get the freshest meat they can. And so I think that this is a time that farmers can really try to take advantage of that. And, um, you know, just post on your Facebook marketplace, you know, it starts simple. It doesn't have to be anything too elaborate or too crazy. You don't have to have a website, you know, it's so much easier to reach people than it was even a decade ago. So, um, I think that, we'll see a, we'll start to see a huge shift in people buying directly from their farmers and people just love to know where their food comes from yeah that's a good point and speaking of diversification and um people wanting to buy directly from the farmer i've seen so many farmers kind of transition from either packaging their produce directly for a restaurant or a um, grocery store they're sending it straight to consumers like we, we interviewed one micro farmer in north carolina and instead of delivering directly to restaurants, he started making produce boxes and he was delivering them to um, consumers. And so once COVID slowed down, he was still doing um, the boxes to consumers, but he started doing it back to restaurants. So he diversified and he's been doing pretty well. So, I mean, you got to be safe and you got to diversify. So those are all really good points. Yeah. Yep. That is, I've seen a lot of um, diversification that way with my clients where they've you know, just kind of decided to take the plunge and, and try to get their food out in front of more people because they were affected by, you know, the way COVID has changed things. And so I just have to, you know, really applaud them for having that, you know, ability to pivot. And that's something that's super important in a business is to not get too, you know, locked into your ways to be able to um, make changes when, you know, we have a world pandemic. So that's been really cool to see. Yeah, all really good points. You got to pivot or your business is going to go under. Um, so what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you see of consumers having about farms and how they work as a business? Are there any, are, is there anything that really kind of stands out to you? Um, you know, I actually, the, the biggest one that I see is that I think that a lot of consumers don't think that farmers are educated and you will come to see, especially like this generation of farmers, the people my age, they have, you know, they've got, they've gone to college, they have their degree, they have degrees in everything, you know, not just agriculture related degrees, but 
Um, you know, you've got people who are psych majors who who go into um, farming now. It's it's kind of getting to be like the cool thing to do. You know, the whole um, moving from the city out to the country and you start a small farm, and, and so you're going to see such a huge, you know, um, a diverse group of people who are farmers. Um, and not only that, but people who are educated and they know what they're doing and they really are, um, they've had to learn to specialize in a field that, um, you know, most people can't even imagine how, how, how to do things. So it's, it is interesting because, you know, I've come across some of the smartest people I know who are farmers and ranchers. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, a lot of people think it's just overalls and a John Deere tractor and that's it. But I mean, ag is one of those industries that involves, I mean, um, biotechnology, biology, chemistry, meteorology, everything. And so that's a really good point that, um, and I'm hoping that like social media kind of showcases that and more and more people in the industry kind of showcase that, yeah, we're a lot smarter than you give us credit for. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that, a really good point. Yeah, you can definitely see that. I love Instagram now. You can, I mean, there's so many cool young farmers on Instagram and I feel like they're really giving um, the ag industry um, some good like publicity. So that's fun to see too. Oh yeah. And it's funny because you'll see comments on Instagram or Facebook and they're like, wait, this is how it's done. Like I thought it was a lot less involved. Like it looks a lot harder than I thought it was. And you're like, yes, exactly. That we, that's what we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so tell us a little bit more about your consultant work. I mean, what are you looking to do in the future? How are you hoping to, or how are you hoping your business grows in 2021? Where are you looking to, to make it go? Yeah. So right now, um, I personally do all of the consulting. It kind of went from I did all the bookkeeping to now I've got a team of bookkeepers and controllers. And right now I do all of the consulting myself. And I'm really hoping to build the consulting team up so that, you know, we've got kind of a di diverse range of people who have experience and knowledge in different areas. You know, I am just because I'm a business owner, I have experience in all of the marketing and that and just um, but but I know that it would be great to have someone who you know, is a like a marketing expert. So I'm kind of hoping to diversify our consulting services a little bit by by building a team and but also really continue to provide those great financial based consulting that we are now and um, you know, ensure that we're doing that to the best of our ability as well. Well that's awesome. So if people want to check out your website, if they want to look into your consulting um, business and bookkeeping and all of your advice, which your website is great, by the way, uh, where can they go to kind of check out the website and see what you're doing and all the services you offer? Okay. Yeah. So we are at www.patentbookkeeping.com and that's patent with an E. And um, that's where they can get a hold of me through a um, scheduled consultation. Um, they can kind of get a quick overview of what the different types of services that we provide. Um, and, you know, we'll meet and kind of go over what, what really the best fit would be for them. And I don't try to sell anyone into anything. Um, I really try, you know, try to come from it from a place of service and to just try to help these people. So, um, you know, we're going to get together and determine what, what you need and what services would fit you in your operation the best. That's awesome. All about customizing that experience. Cause I mean, no two farms are the same. So you got to yeah. do different um, finance tech tactics for both. Well, Michelle, this has been awesome. I haven't really learned more about bookkeeping and kind of the whole business side of farming. So this has been really eye-opening. Uh, if I ever open a farm, I will give you a call. Um, 
My, I want to open. I want to start one one day, but right now I have two acres, and I don't think in the city limits I could have a cow. But maybe one day we'll get some more land or something. Yeah. Well, best of luck, and um, thanks again. I can't wait to see how you grow it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Trevor. I appreciate you having me, and I'm I'm really excited to to see this episode. So. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Again, our guest today was Michelle Patton from PattonBookkeeping.com. Be sure to check out the website if you have any questions for Michelle or if you're interested in her consulting services. Again, thanks so much for listening to our episode. Um, you can go to TheFarmTraveler.com to check out this episode and see some show notes and stuff like that. Rating the review, or I'm sorry, rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts helps us out a ton. So consider leaving us a five-star review and a written review or even better, sharing it with a friend or family member. Um, organic growth helps out the show a ton. We can get more and more people to learn more about where their food comes from. I know I geek out about this stuff, but I think this is something that, you know, we literally all have in common. We all get to eat. We all have our favorite food. So, you know, it's time we learn a thing or two about where that food comes from. So thanks so much for listening. Again, this is episode 88, and we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Okay, bye. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.